Welcome to another episode of The Lanyard, the podcast that goes deep with change makers, business leaders, and community builders. Here's your host, Ben Hanton. Hey, everybody. I'm here with some coffee. We're going to talk coffee. Ryan Martinez just came up from Sioux City, and we're going to talk about the Siouxland Coffee Festival. Is that what we call it? Yep, the Siouxland Coffee Festival. And tell me about this fest and why. I mean, we've heard about a lot of beer festivals where we all get together and we try each other's beer. We get to learn about some of the upcoming trends in technology and beer. Same idea? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you've heard of the beer fest, you've heard of the bacon fest, and now we finally have the coffee fest here in the Midwest. So, <laughs> you know, we thought it'd be cool to start highlighting some of the the great organizations doing some uh, cool things here in, in Siouxland because I don't think people realize that we have a uh, pretty good, pretty good uh, coffee in this area. People don't realize that the Midwest is kind of emerging as this uh, this coffee scene and the coffee culture is starting to develop. Yeah, and the thing about coffee is, you know, it's it can be as cheap or as expensive as you want it. And I think a lot of people are used to gas station coffee and they're used to cheap. And then now all of a sudden we have this craft movement going on. Yeah, you got the Casey's, you got the Folgers. I mean, and I don't want to say that Either of those, there's nothing wrong with those types of coffee, right? It's just when you start diving into it and you start finding what you like, you know, it's a very slippery slope because uh, just as many beer options as you have, there's actually just as many coffee options, you know, whether latte, macchiato, um, dopio. I mean, there's a million different terms and, you know, we just want to start introducing people to these uh, these craft beverages. I should warn you ahead of time today, listeners and Ryan, if you hear me making weird noises. It's because I've got these Ricolas in. I've been fighting this little cough, just like a nagging cough. So my apologies for that. It's but, that time of year. Yeah, it is. Usually it starts with allergy drainage, which is really a cool thing about living in the Midwest. <laughs> it's just part of the routine. <laughs> so the other thing about coffee, though, is you know compared to beer, there's way more discernible flavors and aromas in coffee. Yeah, and so I. I'm kind of a novice to coffee. I mean, I've been you know organizing this event, so I've picked up quite a bit as I've been going along and meeting new coffee vendors. But you know, everything from there could be floral notes, fruity notes, chocolatey notes. You know, everything that goes into that is pretty pretty extensive too. Like, where was the coffee grown? What country? You know, what elevation was it grown? Was it washed? You know, how was it sent? You know, single origin? Is it a mix? You know, so when you start diving into it, you know, it can be kind of intimidating, but yeah. Uh, we're trying to eliminate those intimidating factors and just you know wanting to try something new. Well, and as a enthusiast myself, I'm intimidated still because I feel like I've got a really good handle on craft beer and origins and how that works and and you know changing recipes, what it does to flavor. What I don't understand about coffee still is what the geography and what the soil means. And I think that only comes from practicing, from noting what you like, but. When somebody says that this is a Guatemalan coffee, you know, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. And I mean, honestly, just saying that, you know, there's, like you said, there's so many variations of Guatemalan coffee that, you know, you could taste one Guatemalan and not know that that's the same, from the same area yeah, that you right. taste a different one. So, you know, and again, I don't want to claim myself as the coffee expert because, you know, when I sit down with some of the people that, you know, are coming to the show and our vendors, they just always blow me away. They always have something new to I learn from. So there are two things that I do know about coffee, though. One is that a lot of the coffee that's on the shelf is stale or lost most of its flavor. And number two is that people over-roast. Hide. It, it's kind yeah, of it's like the, the bitter coffee that we get from Starbucks I'm not a fan of. And 
when I go to these craft coffee shops, I don't get that flavor. I almost get sweetness out of my coffee. And then I think like Starbucks is supposed to be the gold standard for coffee. I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah, they kind of – usually the bigger chains like to roast it a little bit darker just because when you roast it darker, you kind of hide some of those impurities. You know, not that it's saying that it's bad coffee, but it's kind of – you're going to get a more similar taste in – um, so let's say you go to a Starbucks in Sioux City versus a Starbucks, uh, Starbucks over in, you know, somewhere in California. You know, you want to be able to have that customer still taste the same type of coffee. So right. by roasting it a little bit darker, you're going to have a higher percentage chance of it kind of tasting the same no matter where you're going. So the expectations. What imperfections or what would we potentially be inconsistencies? Yeah, it's not even just imperfections, but, uh, you know, just some of those notes get lost. You okay. know? So, you know, if it had a little bit of a fruitier undertone, the darker you roast that, the more that's going to go away. So. Yeah. You know, the specialty coffee, they kind of roast it to a degree, like a light or medium roast, and then be able to offer that and kind of let your customers know, like, hey, when you're drinking this, you know, be thinking about this and you might be able to taste that. And, you know, it's really crazy because I personally, I'm not a big fruity guy in coffee, um, more of a nuttier or chocolatey kind of guy, but everyone has their own palate and it's just like beer. You know, some people like IPAs, some people like, you know, just the domestic. So, well, and I think that, what we try to educate people with with beer is that it doesn't need to be – you're not looking for the last beer of your life here. You're not looking for your Coors Light replacement here. You're looking to experiment and to try and to have fun. And that means that this is what I'm drinking today. Exactly. Tomorrow I'm going to drink something different and that's okay. Yeah. Five years ago, I could tell you – I don't even know if I was drinking coffee five years ago. But I eventually got into it. You know, I would start with – Something from a gas station, maybe, you know, if I wanted to quick pick me up in the morning or yeah. eventually moved on to maybe had like a coffee brewer at home, maybe I had a Folgers. And then, you know, I finally started ordering those things off the menu. And, you know, some of them I didn't like, but some of them I fell in love with. So my my new favorite is definitely an Americano. During the summer, I'll do iced Americano, but um, Americano is just simply espresso and water. So it's basically an upgraded version of just your regular brewed coffee. It just has a little bit more of a distinct taste. So I love Americanos too. And in fact, there's a drive through coffee here in town. And when you order a coffee, you actually get an Americano. Oh. They don't actually do drip coffee. So that's the good stuff. It's espresso. Yeah. But, you know, I dig that too. And also I don't have to have a cup that's just loaded with 500 calories. Right, exactly. Just super low calories and gets you through the day. And if you're daring, you can add some extra espresso shots in there. So uh, what did you bring me here? What is this yeah. bag? So I brought you a bag of Stonebrew Bedrock. So Stonebrew is actually our presenting sponsor this year. So they actually approached us after being a vendor last year and said, hey, we love what you did. We want to be a part of it. So we brought them on as a presenting sponsor, and they actually just started releasing um, their own roasting operation. So they're going to be uh, starting to roast their own coffees and selling that to the public. So I brought you one of the very first editions of the the Bedrock Blend from Stonebrew. Awesome. And so that was roasted yesterday. Yes, roasted yesterday. So <laughs> I know we kind of chatted uh, before we hopped on here, but yeah, actually you're going to want to have that sit for maybe you know a few more hours, maybe another day, just because those beans are freshly roasted and you kind of want it to degas and make sure it's going to be uh, ready to drink before you grind it. Yeah. Well, and I told you that one of the coffees that I've been buying, at least for my bar lately, is I've had Globetrotter coffee out of uh, Gettysburg, South Dakota. And then lately I've had a little bit of Forward, which is out of Brookings. And that's a couple brewers, Luke Rensick of Take 16 Brewing. And then Rich Drotty was a former brewer at 
Bank Brewing Company. And those two have got together and started a roasting company. Their model is a little different. It's like an auto ship. So you sign up for a subscription and you just get, you know, coffee delivered to you. And their deal is they roast one day and they ship the next day. So you have like one to two day old roasted beans when it arrives. And the thing about beans is the, you know, those green beans, they can last for, you know, up to a couple of years. Oh yeah, for sure. But once it's roasted, it's the, the, Clock is ticking. And that's what we're drinking right now that you you poured us, right? Yeah, I just, just ground these beans uh, about half hour ago. Yeah, and This is great. Shout yeah, out. Nice. Is, uh, so, so how do you make your coffee? We just have drip. Just drip yeah, coffee? Yeah. We have like a ninja coffee bar and it uh, seems like the ninja. I can dial that temperature pretty good. But tell me about this idea of the festival and yeah. whose idea it was and oh, what were the expectations? Well, believe it or not, just like most ideas. It, it, it was an accident. <laughs> so the coffee festival actually supports volunteer Siouxland, which is my full-time gig. So we, we created an online volunteer center for the Siouxland area about two years ago. So what that is, is like a centralized location where nonprofits in the community can post volunteer opportunities uh, in one spot. So people in the community come to volunteersiouxland.org and look for um, a volunteer opportunity that they may be passionate about. Let's say they like animals, they might be able to volunteer for the Humane Society, et cetera, et cetera. So you can search by that. And while we were in the process of onboarding those nonprofits, and when we launched, we were hosting trainings. And during those trainings, we had to create fake organizations, fake needs to kind of show how the platform worked. And throughout the process, we created this fake organization called Coffee Anonymous, and they're just hosting this coffee event. And you know, we only had 100 to 200 people on the platform at the time, but we had we forgot to take that organization and event down. And so we had people RSVPing to our training organization and we're like, okay, well, we only have a few hundred people on the platform and, you know, there's like 10 to 20 RSVPs. You know, maybe we should, you know, consider this as a real option for a main type of fundraiser since, you know, we're a new nonprofit and we obviously wanted to raise some funds. So, and we just took off with it. That volunteer Siouxland too is, so it's an online platform? Correct. But like, let's say that I was hosting an event. Um, let's just say I was running Saturday in the park in Sioux City mm-hmm. and I needed to get 50 volunteers. Could I partner with you? Yep. Yep. So all you'd have to do is, well, we actually have helped Saturday in the park. Um, they kind of have their own process and same, same with like bigger organizations like hospitals. They already have their internal platforms and how they work, but you could also use us as a resource to go onto our website, post the need and it, get bla- it gets blasted out to everybody in the community. And we have about 2,700 volunteers on the platform currently. So um, that's going to be available for them all to see. But yeah, it's basically used as another resource to helping find volunteers in the community. So we keep it free for the volunteer. We keep it free for the organization um, and just helping you know push out there and connect people to volunteer opportunities in the area. Are there shifts? Like, for instance, if I was going to work uh, Saturday from 3 to 6 as a volunteer, yep. would you have a way to organize that and tell me when to show up to my job? Yep. So you can post most multiple shifts on uh, a single volunteer need. So you can do it that way. Or you can also po- post multiple needs if they're not quite as related. But it's pretty crazy to see because, I mean, we're in Sioux City and we have people all the way to Orange City using it. Some people into Nebraska, obviously the South Sioux side and the, um, the dunes as well, Dakota dunes over there. So it kind of gets a good reach. It doesn't quite reach over here to uh, Yankton or Vermilion, yeah. but we're seeing a lot of people taking advantage of it. And when they're using it, it's they're they're kind of, they're converting and finding some new volunteers that they would have not found otherwise. All right. So the coffee festival starts as an accident, and yeah. then you start to realize that you might have something here. So again, as you build this out, how many people were you hoping to attend? Yeah. So last year was our inaugural year, and. It was, we didn't know what to expect, right? First year event, you know, I, I had to just pick up the phone and say, hey, 
my name is Ryan. I have this idea. Do you want to be a part of it? And I did that over and over and over again until we got enough buy-in of people that wanted to do the event. And so we kept organizing all, all the event and it was about coffee samples. We had live music. You could roast with a roaster. We actually had a latte art competition going on during the event on a 20 foot screen, like a projection screen. So while they were joining the event, they could also like see the latte art side of things. And that's, that's pretty entertaining. But yeah, we didn't know what to expect for attendance. You know, we had a few hundred tickets sold before before the event day, but event day came and we had a long line out the door. We ended up <laughs> with 1,100 attendees. 1,100 oh. coffee freaks In coming out. In the first year, yeah. We were kind of like shaking a little bit like, all right, let's make sure that we can um, give every single attendee a good experience. So we're looking to build on that this year. You know, we'd be happy if we hit the same attendance, <laughs> but obviously looking for some growth there this year. We have some more vendors this year, more activities, um, and definitely have added a friendly fam- or family-friendly component to it. So it's also cool to bring the kids. Daytime event, right? Yeah, <laughs> this coffee event. So it, it's like ten yeah. a.m. Yeah, so we had. We, it's always a, a balance of like when we want to host the event. We want. We don't want to go too early because our morning events just can kind of be a little bit of rough. So the event is actually from ten to three. So you can come in right away, start sampling coffees from the one of the twenty five vendors. Enjoy the live music, kick back, watch the latte art competition. We actually even have a painting with coffee, so you can actually paint uh, with coffee with popping bottles and brushes. It'll be there and. We'll have some games set out. And the, one of my favorite parts this year is probably the the bean to brew experience. So we, we were kind of talking about uh, coffee and like origins. Well, there's actually be a dedicated space, four dedicated spaces, one for uh, origins to learn about where coffee comes from and what's that, what that's like. Uh, the second process is the the roasting. So you can roast with a roaster from Stone Brew. They'll be there going, they'll actually have a roaster there. You'll be roasting. You can actually even, if you want to buy the coffee that they just roasted, you can literally take it home as well. Um, that third part of that of that series is the cafe terminology. So you can learn the different things on the menu. So next time you go into a shop, it's not so intimidating and maybe order something new, try it, try it out. And then finally, we're also going to have a section on homebrew methods. So different ways that you can brew at home to kind of imitate that delicious coffee flavor that you have at the shop and be able to bring it into your own home. Oh, so not the roasting process at home, but the brewing process. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, you know, you can roast your own beans at home. Some people have used like popcorn air poppers, yep. but maybe not quite as consistently good. As- yeah, I, I follow some Reddit <laughs> uh, Reddit threads on that too. There's quite a bit of people out there that, you know, like roasting their own coffee and it's kind of a hobby. And that's actually how, you know, some of the organizations that are going to be at the events, you know, I've heard talks of that's how they got into it. You know, they yeah. just were like, hey, this thing's like would be a cool thing to do. And boom, now they're in the coffee industry. We had Avenue Coffee Shop here in town for a little while, and she was roasting her own beans, but she was using like the barrel home home roasting method. So it was like she could do a pound at a time. Uh, and we were buying beans from her for a while too. Uh, but if you get some orders, if you have 20, 30 pounds of yeah. Of roasting, and you can do a pound at a time. You're spending a little time on that. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of time in the process. Yeah. There's going to be some technology. I imagine people are not just coffee shops there. There's also people selling you brewing equipment and other things. Yeah. Well, the main focus is really uh, bringing you different coffee shops and roasters. So that's going to be the main aspect of it. But yeah, we also will have have some of our sponsors that are like uh, Nuvo Simonelli. They, they're providing some machines. Um, we have Chemex that will be providing some of the uh, of their brewers. We have AeroPress. You know, so there'll be some some coffee equipment options there. Uh, whether that's for sale or not, we're not too sure yet. But it's been pretty cool to see just how many people have bought in. You know, again, the second year coming into it, I picked up the phone and instead of calling people within 
the Midwest region, I started I started to expand that and it kind of went out to a national level. And you know, we have some people flying in from Florida, from California, Washington, Indiana. So it's been it's been really cool to bring these people together to bring them to you know the Siouxland area from outside and. Uh, that was one of the main goals of the event first year too. So it's been really cool to see as that develops. Is tea involved? Yep, there is a little bit of tea this year. So we actually have a vendor um, coming down from Omaha that specializes in tea, the Tea Smith. Really excited to have them there this year because I last year after the event I did a survey and I was like just wanted to put it all out there. Like, let me know about your experience. Rate, you know, I had a bunch of things to rate it on. Um, there weren't that many complaints, but one of the uh, uh, suggestions was we heard a lot of people said, you know. It would have been cool to have tea there as well. So we were looking into adding a tea component. So we have, you know, one to two tea vendors there um, to kind of ex- to kind of spread the variation of the drinks. And then I saw there were some videos that you recorded, kind of like a, almost like video podcasts at the event last year. What were those? Yeah, so uh, kind of taken off of Gary Vee's model of just like using micro content, you know, Planning an event for once a People year. People don't know who Gary V is. Maybe uh, I do. True. Yeah, <laughs> tell them who Gary V is. Yes, yeah, so Gary V is. Uh, how would you even describe him? Um, very good at knowing about what content he puts out there, and very he he just always puts out content, continuous content, content, content. Yeah, and, he believes in the dollar ninety eight strategy, which is that you should give your two cents ninety eight times a day, and so he. What Gary Vaynerchuk is who we're talking about, and he's a serial entrepreneur and investor, but he's also the kind of guy that if you were to follow him on Twitter, Facebook, podcast, whatever, there's almost nobody putting out more content than him. Right, and we kind of just followed some methods off of, of them. We've been using Honeywave Media for all of our, our videos, so they've been recording all of them, so shout out to Honeywave Media. Basically, we we sat, it's, it's impossible to sit down with 30 vendors and do a segment for each one of them. So, you know, we sat down with Stonebrew, we did a podcast, and from that podcast, we created multiple pieces of micro content. And from that micro content, we were, we were able to put out every single thing that we were just talking about, but have its own little content piece of video. So uh, high quality content was super important to making this thing viral. Because I think that's one of the reasons that this thing took off last year is because people saw this Facebook event and saw there was a coffee festival in Sioux City. So they hit interested. And then guess what? That pops up on someone else's timeline. Yeah, right. They see it's interested. So it's we we made this thing into uh, relying on the viral component to it where, you know, you see that your friends going, you hit interested. Okay, now it's on their wall, and it's just it's just a domino effect. So yeah, we've been knocking out as many of those as possible, trying to still highlight these local vendors so they don't get drowned out with some of the national attention. Just because that's again going into the event, we wanted to support the people in our community, but also be able to bring in some some talent from outside. Yeah, the idea of content is still it's intimidating for people who aren't in the practice of creating it. So, I was recently talking to somebody in town who runs a clothing store and she is trying to figure out how to get more content out there and I described to her that dollar 98 strategy and she just was so intimidated by it and I said, "But listen, you know, like for instance today with you, I'm going to record this podcast. So that's going to be up on Anchor, which is one platform, and then it's going to be on 10 other platforms. We're also going to take your photo. That's going to be on Instagram. We're going to link all this stuff on Twitter, Facebook. It's going to be on LinkedIn. So all of a sudden from one podcast, we've got 20 things, right? right? And if you start taking that same approach, you could say, well, we could break down some of the sound bites that you said, and now that becomes its own piece of content. So basically Gary's idea would be that instead of creating 98 individual pieces, You've repurposed one big project, one long form video or audio into something that can be used in multiple ways. Then it's not so intimidating. 
Exactly. And that's kind of why I reached out to, because I felt like this would, uh, uh, what we're talking about kind of meshed well with, with the lanyard. And obviously, um, we crossed paths previously when I was doing some other entrepreneurial ventures and, you know, I knew that you're, you know, solid, you know, you're good at what you do. You're good at connecting people. You're good at community building. And that's really what a lot of this event is about. And, you know, so I was happy that I was able to come down here and hang out and in Yankton for the day. Do you have any South Dakota people presenting or being vendors at your event? Yeah, we do. Cafe is probably the biggest one. So they're they're really popular out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, last year, they had one of the longest lines for their raw sugar latte. So they're making raw sugar lattes at the event. And, you know, that's all people were talking about. Uh, so they're going to be back this year and also going to be doing a little bit of a, a, cu- a coffee cupping variation. So for all attendees where you can um, sit down, they'll pour hot water on coffee grounds. You'll let that sit. Um, you'll, you'll stir it eventually like five minutes later, you'll stir it. You'll kind of smell the aromas, um, try to pick out some of those notes that we were talking about. And then you get to kind of taste and uh, actually slurp. You have to actually slurp it to try to taste it. Yeah, it's there's a really, like a special spoon for that, right? Yeah. So I actually, I did my first one, uh, last week I went up there and recorded a segment with them that I'll be posting. Again, I created a long form segment while I was there. We're going to pull from that. Again, uh, more of those content pieces. Also, we have Parable Coffee out of Sioux Falls. You know, we had quite a few South Dakota ones reach out. The thing about it is in the Midwest, like I said, this is emerging right now. So not everybody in the coffee scene has been a part of a coffee event. So a lot of them were interested, but they just haven't ever taken that first step. So a lot of the people that I've communicated with, this was the same as last year. And I saw that um, last year people attended the event that were shop owners. And now this year have jumped on board for the second year. So we're going to be seeing that again, people driving down from Brookings, um, possibly like Iroquois, I think that's how you say it, Um, attending the event to see what it's going to be like to be set up for next year. It's awesome. Are there, there are other festivals like this around the country? Yes, there are. The, the, The thing about it though, is a lot of these events and I've, I've been traveling to them with my wife to kind of just learn. I want to see what, what's working, what's not working, you know, notes, you know, taking notes about uh, how can I make our event better and make, bring it to Sioux City. And the main thing is there's there's not quite as many events like ours that are consumer focused, which is why a lot of the national brands have hopped on because they're understanding that the Midwest is growing. And even just from like some of the organizations that I've been talking to about trying to recruit to bring to the event, they're talking about how they're interested because they're starting to target the Midwest. They want to enter the Midwest. So even in the next few years, you might be seeing these these uh, um, companies from the coast trying to make an entry, which is why, again, I'm trying to support these local organizations, trying to get them up on the map and get their their presence built up before um, you know someone from the coast can swoop in and take all the business. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that you and I had known each other before with some of the other projects you were involved in and entrepreneurism. I thought maybe after the break, we could talk about some of those be back with Ryan Martinez. The presenting sponsor of The Lanyard is Ben's Brewing Company. We are a brewery, tap room, and speakeasy located in Yankton, South Dakota. Our beers are on tap in several South Dakota cities. Visit us online at bensbrewing.com. Good people drink Ben's beer. Before we get back to the show, a bit of local podcast news for you. The folks at Blend Interactive in downtown Sioux Falls are starting a new club called the Podcast Networking Group. PNG is like a book club, but for podcasts. For each meetup, Blend will curate a list of podcast episodes around a theme to listen to and discuss. PNG meets the first time at 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday, November 5th at the Sioux Falls Design Center. The theme is feedback, and yes, there will be snacks. For more info, 
And to join the group, visit bit.ly slash SFPNG. That's bit.ly slash SFPNG. Hey, Lanyard listeners, it's Brennan and Mandy from Boston Shoes to Boots. Do me a favor and think of something you will not buy generic. For instance, I will not buy generic toilet paper. First of all, ouch. Second of all, they don't tear at the seams. Brennan, what's your example? I will not buy generic mac and cheese. It's not as creamy. They say it is the same, but it's not. Same goes for shoes. Now, we all know how easy it is to buy shoes or boots from big box stores, big online sellers, or a boutique. But are you really getting the quality and customer service that your feet deserve? A proper fit and quality made shoe can go for miles for your feet and your overall health. Wearing shoes too small or large can have long-term consequences. And those shoes that are cute but make your feet hurt all night? Not worth it especially when you're covering up the blisters the next day. Our staff at Boston Shoes to Boots is trained to measure your foot length, arch, and width. Do yourself a favor and invest in your feet by getting properly fitted into a quality pair of shoes. We don't carry cheap because we care. That's right. Quality only hurts once. And trust me, we've seen plenty of scary toes that have been crammed in bad footwear for too long. Many times the effects are not reversible. So invest in your feet, take care of yourself, and go on your next adventure with a great pair of shoes from Boston Shoes to Boots, your footwear experts since 1915. Stop by and see us in the Meridian District in downtown Yankton or see us online at bostonshoestoboots.com. All right, we are back with Ryan Martinez. We were talking about the Siouxland Coffee Festival. It's coming up on what date? November 2nd. Where can people buy tickets? You can buy tickets at SiouxlandCoffee.com, or if it's even easier, just go to the Facebook page and click on the event. You can buy tickets directly from the event page on Facebook. When I first met you, I was, I don't know, super involved in entrepreneurism and trying to invest in startup companies. And one of the cities that I thought was really interesting was Sioux City. And partly was it was because everybody down there was so eager and welcoming and they seemed collaborative. And you were the young guy. You were like taller than everybody in the startup <laughs> scene there, but you were uh, the youngest also. And so prior to that, I think it was Blake and Sean were kind of the two main personalities. And then all of a sudden this Ryan Martinez come came. So how did you get involved in entrepreneurism? Yeah. So that kind of right there, you, you said the name, Sean. Um, so I was at Morningside, which is where I met Sean Richardson, and I had a mutual friend that said, hey, uh, I think you'd be a good fit for coming to E-Group, which is an entrepreneurship group over at Morningside College. And you know, I was like, all right, feel free to, I'll stop by, you know, I, I'm listening. And that's kind of where I met Sean. And from there, you know, I just kind of started diving in because I always knew that uh, it, it, it would be cool to always have my own thing, to create something to that never existed and to, for, for that to be my gig. So I always kind of had that uh, potential career path. But I didn't really start diving into it until at college and I joined with the e-group. And, you know, through Sean, um, Sean and I just started doing things, you know, instead of just, you know, talking about really cool ideas or what could be the next big app, you know, we would actually build things and, you know, test them out. And we, uh, he was already doing an event called Base 3. And I kind of hopped on board and um, we continued to develop that and started bringing in, you know, different speakers around the country and, you know, from that, you know, I'd meet different people and start different projects. And, you know, it's a, it was a, it's a very windy path. Like, you know, it wasn't a straight line for sure, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to work with a lot of the people in Sioux City as well. 
what were some of those projects that you were involved in? What were the companies you were trying to create? Yeah, so I think it all got started. Uh, I eventually became president of the entrepreneurship group my junior, senior year. And I, I got our team flew out to Lake Tahoe, California. And that's where I, myself, and a bunch of our members participated in a startup weekend. So from the startup weekend, we, uh, my team created this app that was uh, for the construction industry, and it was to automatically clock in and out your employees when they come onto the work site, come off of the work site. And so that was like the first ever project I worked on. You know? How did how did that work? It like as in how did it function? Yeah, uh, we were using at the time Beacon technology where we could set beacons oh, sure. up around a workplace or around yeah we're on work site. And then as soon as like their uh, their phone would uh, penetrate that that uh, geofence, it would clock them in or clock clock them out. And there was also some manual entry as well. Um, but it was really cool because you know I only flew out to Lake Tahoe for the weekend, but I continued to develop this with the team out in Lake Tahoe all the way back from Sioux City. So you know we were doing video conferencing, and you know we had a guy on their team who was specialized in video, who eventually went on to be uh, one of the guys at TechCrunch. Uh, we had a guy from the construction industry, so you know we had a. Uh, that that component take to it. Then we also had like uh, a computer guy, the the computer science background, where he could actually develop and integrate all these beacon technology and everything too. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, being a college student while trying to build a mobile app isn't the the cheapest thing, right? Right. <laughs> so, so I mean, I definitely we continued to build it out. We had fun, learned from it. Then obviously, you always move on to the next project. And what were some of those other projects? Oh gosh, uh, probably one of my favorite ones would have been. Startup Secret Santa. So that would have been, I can't even remember the year, but that was about the time where Product Hunt was starting to emerge and people were using Product Hunt to find new things. And so I had this concept of Startup Secret Santa where I have the skill set of being a designer, but I need, let's say I need content, like copywritten. So I was like, well, what if there's a way that I could give you some design work and you could uh, do some writing for me? So I basically, I put this concept up on Product Hunt and it got a bunch of upvotes and it had a lot of traction. So it eventually became this thing where I was manually pairing people from all over the world right before Christmas time about, uh, you know, connecting who needs what and being able to exchange people's services. And it was all, it was all just like fun and lighthearted. And yeah, I, that, that was one of the hardest things of just manually connecting the, I think it was a little under 200 people just in an Excel document and, you know, sending the files manually and everything too. So that was one of the more fun projects I had. It just needed, uh, <laughs> it needed some kind of web backend. And uh, again, being a college kid, hard to uh, <laughs> put your resources towards that, but it was a, that was another fun project I was working on. So what is it about Sioux City that makes you continue to live there? Good question. Good question. I definitely was appreciative of the support that I received um, while starting my endeavors. You know, I, I wasn't, ever the person to like be in the shadows you know I'd always feel free to you know talk to people and tell them what I was working on and so I ha- I always had a lot of support from the city the chamber um you know you name it a lot of community leaders they you know they saw this young tall guy and uh they they wanted to support me so you know it came to the point where you know I I ended up winning a regional award for uh Silicon Prairie's uh, student entrepreneur of the year um, and so after I received that award, I was like, all right, I really want to be able to continue to give back to the community that supported me and all these projects. So you know, I just really am passionate about highlighting the, the people that are doing things in Sioux City, about bringing um, outside talent from outside of Sioux City to Sioux City, bringing dollars in that weren't weren't here. Um, and I just really have continued down that path. And, you know, now we're at the point where uh, obviously a little bit older, um, now married, and I want Siouxland 
Sioux City to be called uh, a place that I can call home. You know that that uh, if I'm going to eventually be raising children, and you know whenever whenever that happens in the future, that I want it to be a place that I feel safe with my kids, that they have the best opportunities, and I want that I want that for everybody's kids too. So uh, I'm just going to keep nailing away and. You know, whatever I can do for Siouxland, I'll, you know, I'll put the effort in. You talk about the potential of being a father at some point. So did you have any mentors in your family that kind of showed you about entrepreneurism or about being involved in the community? Not necessarily any business owners or anything like that in my family. Um, definitely uh, from a young age, you know, my mom never had a college education. So when I was younger, she, you know, she put herself through uh, through college. And I got to see that process while she was working a full-time job. So that was, that was very motivating, but it really got into, I think just my parents raised me with the right principles. And, you know, I continued to carry those on. I always treated people with respect. Again, uh, people like to think of it as whether you're the CEO or the janitor, you treat them with the same respect. And I, I would like to think that I apply that and always try to treat people with, um, the same respect that I would like to be treated with. So I think that definitely helped me carry and to find different mentors outside of that, someone that has started their own business, which uh, one of them, I think, is one of your good friends, John Meyer yeah, out of Lemony, Lemonly. I reached out to him after hearing him speak, and you know he was arms open, really ready to help out. And I, you know, I took a couple trips up to Sioux Falls, sat down with him at like JL Beers, and he just really kind of gave me an insight of like what it was like for him to build things, the values that he held on to, and just like continued... I mean, and he's still doing it, right? He's still he's still knocking away at new projects, continuing to grow Lemonly, and it's uh, he was one of the more inspiring mentors that I would say I had. Yeah, he's a bit of a life hacker too, where he's always looking for getting a little bit more efficiency out of himself and oh, yeah. his team, and and uh, company culture is always a big one for him too. Yes, and that's company culture for sure. I try to remember that when I'm also you know building the things I'm working on. But <laughs> again, we kind of talked about uh, you know I, in the future, you know. I'd, if I'm fortunate enough, I'd love to, you know, have my own kids one day. And that's something that he had as well. You know, he's, he, t- he takes pride in, you know, being a father. And I, I look up to that. And I always try to remember that while I'm building the things that I'm working on that, you know, this, all this stuff is great. But at the end of the day, you know, I need to still be true to my family and make sure I'm spending time with them, quality time and uh, making that a priority as well. So tell me about the state of the startup scene in Sioux City today, because I feel like things were pretty hot. And then I've kind of dropped out, been busy focusing on my own business and family. Mm-hmm. So I've lost touch. Have Are things still as hot as they were? Depends on how you look at it. So I think it's all through the perspective. So I think a lot of the projects that were being talked about then, um, some of them are alive now and running well. So I mean, Food Truck Friday, I think it's on like its third or fourth year. And that was that was something that I was in. I was involved with just when it was talking about could this even be a thing and you know now it's it's a set thing that everybody in the community looks forward to every summer that you know the the park down there that they park all the food trucks by is always filled and that's all it's all you hear about so you look at that there's some things that have been developed and implemented in Sioux City be, during that startup that startup scene when you were involved uh, but you know I think as you transition leaders out like myself like I was I was a connection to Morningside. I graduated Morningside, but now there's kind of a gap. There's no one at Morningside now who is connected to the community and they're not out at all the events, you know, and that, and that's the same with all the colleges, kind of the same thing. Again, you see some of the leaders that were in that tech scene and they're, they're doing things. So uh, I would say that, you know, the, the meetups aren't as frequent anymore, but 
I would say there's a lot more people doing stuff in Sioux City and there's a lot more stuff to be paying attention to. Like I think this this Sunday, I guess I don't, is this going to be airing? This is going to come out on Monday. Okay, so it'll come on Monday. So to, yesterday, I think there's going to, there, <laughs> there's a photo walk uh, that was organized just by a couple video or a video photo guys in Sioux City that like, hey, I want to highlight models and photographers in Sioux City. What can we do? So they're getting a group of people together. They're promoting it. They're getting people to go out to like six different locations so they'll be walking to and just taking photos and collaborating. So, you know, just cool things like that. Like that wasn't around, you know, a few years ago, but now uh, the next generation is stepping in and kind of uh, making new waves. It seems like there's some pretty good institutional support too. I know the the city has been involved. The chamber has been involved. Um, there's that swimming with the sharks competition that I think is at Briarcliff, right? Correct. There's, there's a lot of things of people trying to get involved. Wasn't there like a startup breakfast too that always happen once a year there yeah it's uh i think that's through the city yep uh, and then you guys put on the couple of startup events what were what were those yep. called base camp base yep we did the base threes where we brought in three speakers from around the country we did like seven iterations of that i don't know there might be an eighth sean and i have talked about doing one final closing base three because we, yeah. we never said goodbye we always would do a cool theme like it'd be forest or candy mountain like it, we would just go all out with it but now we might we might come out with one final one but otherwise uh, start, we brought a startup weekend to Sioux City, uh, different things like that. Does we that did. still exist, startup weekend? I think it's the people are still doing it and, and in Sioux City. I don't think so. I think there's only been two or three of them done in Sioux City. But, hey, it's Yeah, I think than, we did two or three here in Yankton. And then as some of our, like myself and a few others, transitioned out of leadership on that, it just kind of died. Right, yeah. Our One Million Cups. Do you guys have One Million Cups there? We don't. We have a First Friday coffee. Yeah. Our One Million Cups is ending at the end of this month. I think that's five years of it made it, but you know, sometimes those things, I don't know if dies the right word, but they, it's okay if they go away because they'll be taken up in a new way by a new group. And, right. you know, we can't hold on to, we can't do everything. You know what I mean? So it's like, and we also can't make other people love our projects. Yeah. I think that's, it's a good way to look at it too, because I think you need those breaks because when you, when you start getting the regulars coming to every single million cups or first Friday coffee, or whatever it is, it's like your expectations start to get lowered. It just starts to become a routine and there's, there's nothing true. new and yeah. you kind of get burned out almost. And that's honestly, uh, I took a break from the startup scene for a couple of years for that exact reason, because I, you know, I was working on my own projects. There's a lot of people around that, you know, we're talking about doing things and that, you know, it was, I was in a place where I just wanted to get what Action. I was doing done. Yeah. Exactly. Get it done. And there's nothing, and there's nothing bad about it, but I just need to take a step away. I needed to focus on what I was working on, but yeah, now, now we're starting to get back into it and we're starting to make new connections and kind of see, like I said, those new leaders that are making waves in Sioux city. Yeah. People just go through different phases of their life too. You know, I was super involved in every single one million cups and I couldn't understand why everybody couldn't afford an hour a week to get away. And then I went and spent six figures on brewing equipment and I had kids and I had to drop them off at daycare and they were sick all the time. And then I started to realize like, oh, this is why people can't go to something like this on a 9am on Wednesday. They got to get to work because they got to pay for this expensive stuff. And also kids complicate everything. Yeah. They, uh, they throw some wrenches in the mix. So ours is going to die, but I think it'll come back in, in some other fashion and it's okay. It's also funny. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen this, but when you started off in the entrepreneurial scene, it seemed like at that point, people still weren't really sure how to pronounce entrepreneurism or to say what it was. And now everybody who runs a boutique store, <laughs> everybody who runs uh, a multi-level marketing business, anything 
Oh, they're entrepreneurs. They're Everybody's entrepreneurs. an entrepreneur. Or an influencer. Yeah, yeah, right. So at least I guess we've gotten people comfortable with that term. Yeah, and I think it's <laughs> I think it's starting to be realized too that not everybody not not everybody's brain works the same. Like I can remember too, and it's just being in school throughout my whatever eighteen, nineteen. 20 whatever years in school, I would, I would always be able to pay attention, absorb everything. But like, I never wanted to spend my time on the schoolwork because I knew I could be doing something else that would be yeah. creating value. Not that school doesn't create value, but you know, my, my brain was always just somewhere different. And I think that people are starting to understand that not everybody needs the same type of education. They need a little bit of a different uh, way to learn kind of, I'm more of a hands-on person. Let me build something. Let me learn from my mistakes and uh, it's cool to see the adaptions that are happening within the school system and, you know, how they're letting kids actually, you know, begin to code. And, you know, instead of, you know, having the last two periods in high school, now they're allowing them to go out into a real job, uh, you know, once a week or every day um, for a semester and actually work in the environment to see if that's what they want to do the rest of their life and kind of just find their interest. And it's really cool to see that develop. Yeah. When I was in high school, they had that I don't, it wasn't called World of Work, but it was something like that, work release, whatever, where you could go work a job. And I was the first, probably the first one ever that they said, like, okay, we're going to approve this, that you're going to go work on your own business as a 17, 18-year-old, unsupervised at your own business. Like, And they, they had a guy that would come check on you every once in a while just to make sure you were like, doing something. Right. But I think the idea of entrepreneurism at that point, I was building and selling computers in my parents' basement and they were like, so you're not just skipping class, yeah, right? You're not just at home, just hanging out, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you could just show them, you know, I could show them purchase orders and things like that, but it was kind of fun. But yeah, you know, I had that same issue in high school where grades were, were no problem for me in high school, but I was pretty bored and yeah. I wanted to get out and I wanted to work. So I graduated a little early. And then when I got to college, man, I just couldn't focus on college because I just wanted to work. Right. Everybody's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. No, is it got a little bit easier. You know, at Morningside, I ended up convincing my my advisor my senior year to instead of letting making me do like a senior project, just like letting me continue to build my business and show me building my brand in the process through that. So that was really cool. It's like my first business I ever started was B to Box, which that stood for business to business box. I took like all the all the cool things made in Sioux City, like Jolly Time, popcorn, Palmer candy, um, you name it, Subi honey, and I, I put those all into like a subscription box and and uh, was selling those for a while, and that was actually my first yeah, LLC I ever created. But yeah, they they let me after sitting down with them and explaining it's a real business. Hey, look at the website. They they let me move forward, build the brand on that instead of you know why why not build the brand for yourself instead of just do some imaginary product that doesn't exist and then turn it in for a grade and then you know never there again so yeah that was uh that was a nice transition what's coming up for you what other projects are you eyeing good question you know i would love depending on how the event goes this year i do see the potential into rebranding the Siouxland coffee festival into the midwest coffee festival so if we can really impress everybody that's there this year we'll have that conversation um but there, there's nothing but there's no reason to limit kind of our ability there um if it's there we'll go for it if not you know we'll we'll continue to stay with our market now outside of that you know i got my hands in a couple different couple different pots trying to trying to build some stuff on the side and you know i might have to reach back out to you if uh if they do anything so when we talk about this possibly becoming a midwest conference what 
number of people could you envision this thing? Could you have three, 4,000 people at this at some point? Potentially, if we can get the right venue. You know, the hardest thing with being in Sioux City is we don't have a major airport. We get flights from uh, Chicago and Dallas every day. But it's not like Omaha or Sioux Falls or Minneapolis or Chicago even. There's there's a big one where you can fly in from anywhere in the world. So, you know, there are what some are barriers they, to overcome. What's the airport abbreviation there? <laughs> Sucks. S-U-X. S-U-X. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they got that all over now. You know, so there are some barriers to overcome there, but like that's the fun part of being an entrepreneur, right? Figuring out all that out. And But there'd be no reason that you'd want to move it out of there? There, there's a lot of reasons why we could benefit from moving it out of Sioux City, but you know the the, the community minded guide me. Yeah, makes me think. You know, if we're already getting people coming in from these other states that are already willing to come to make their way to Sioux City, finding their own way, you know, the other people will do it too if they see the value in it. And there's, you know, if I could call 99 people, they give me no's, but that hundredth person that I call that says yes. <laughs> Boom. We just got to call, get, you know, a few hundred more calls out there to get more people here. Well, and you've been really involved in building online communities. So could this somehow be a virtual conference too? I mean, is there a way to get people involved beyond just the one day event? Yeah, that we've, we've talked about that and we didn't do it this year between the first and second annual event, but you know, things like latte art throwdowns, meetups, um, collaboration on like cuppings, roastings. You know, we, there, there's a market for it. It just depends on how much we can focus on that. Just because like right now, like I said, I am uh, full-time at Volunteer Siouxland. So that is, that is a, a priority. But, you know, I can definitely see the pivot where we start putting more emphasis on the, the coffee side of things. And um, even starting to work with these other uh, huge events like co- like actual coffee fests, the SCA, that's a, a specialty coffee association where, you know, sponsorships for that event, you know, forty to fifty thousand dollars. So we're talking some big, big dollars in the coffee industry there. But you know, there's just things that we run into like um this week there's a Milan conference. So people are a lot of these coffee shops, their coffee industry folks are over in Milan. You know, there's some in LA. So it's like we're also competing with all those people too. But, you know, we're still being able to attract some of them and bring some of that talent here. Well, it's been a lot of fun to hear the story. And anything else we should know about? You know, I would just uh, love if to see anybody's uh, smiling faces out there at the event on November 2nd. Saturday, November 2nd, the Sioux City Convention Center, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, you get your tickets online like we already talked about. Otherwise, uh, you show up at the door. Well, tickets are higher at the door, so I'd encourage you to buy them online. You save a little bit of money there. And, you know, you only have one more chance at winning. We actually are doing – we did weekly giveaways every single week up until the event. If you ha- if you had your tickets, uh, you were entered into a chance to win either a grinder or a uh, French press. So that, that was one thing fun thing that we did this year too. So if you do get your tickets before Saturday, you get a chance to win that one of those pieces of coffee equipment as well. One more – coffee uh question for you so what does your home setup look like for coffee is it is it still just like a black and decker coffee machine (laughs) your beans already ground how what's it set up like yeah my personal setup is we we do have a just a regular coffee pot uh we don't that doesn't have a grinder attached but we have our own little burr grinder because i definitely prefer the burr grinders i got into french press so i i when i make the coffee i usually make it out of the french press when my wife makes it she usually makes it out of the coffee pot just because uh um, it's a little bit easier and, but like, you know, we are, we've already had the discussion. We haven't invested in any, uh, nicer coffee equipment yet because, you know, if everything goes as planned, we do plan on building our next future home. And we, I've already had the conversation of like, can we make the investment of having an espresso machine coffee already built bar. it? Exactly. An actual coffee bar with running water and everything. 
So I think we're gonna we're saving our dollars to uh, invest into our next house to have like a real real setup. I, th- I still think this is a cheaper hobby than craft beer. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm sure those dollars add up. Yeah, well, it's just one of those things where nobody's ever satisfied with their setup. They That's always, the thing. You can always do something upgrade. new, and there's yeah. always new equipment. There's yeah, the new coffee beans. I mean, you can you're gonna be buying coffee for the rest of your life. Yes. Well, it's been a lot of fun, Ryan, and look at, look for him at the Siouxland Coffee Festival coming up. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Landyard.